Alright, that's all the music we're doing. I'm tired, you're tired, but we want to get this oh podcast my done. <laughs> so there Gotta you go. get it done. Hi, Jason Pridmore. What's up, G-Dub? Where are you at in the world this evening? It's Wednesday we're doing this, and Greg is doing his ride to the races thing, and it sounds like it's been, uh, by following a little bit of your social media and talking to you, it's been a little bit interesting. It's been interesting. I'm in Galena, Illinois, along some river, and it's the only place really in the area that's got some roads that go up and down. And uh actually found a gravel road today with an adventure touring bike. It was like a mile and a half, great. but it was... It was very loose gravel, so I got to ride on some dirt, which is good. <laughs> Finding a dirt road that would suit yeah. a Ducati Multistrada in 2021. <laughs> with a bunch of bags. With a bunch, with of, a bags. bunch of bags. You know, the thing is, Jay, it's like, I'm I'm happy to ride on a, tw- a twisty road all by myself. I'm happy to ride cross country back and forth all by myself. But as yeah. you are aware, I am not the mm-hmm. most I know what you're proficient gonna say off-road here. rider there is. And so... It'd be better if I went off. Yeah, but you're I mean, steady enough. But sense, you know what I mean. Yeah, but you're not going to do anything stupid, and Mm-mm. that's good that you were able to find a little bit of dirt road. And uh, hopefully, hopefully, the last of the rain is behind you. Because what you don't know, people, is that Greg has had hair dryers in his boots and <laughs> hanging his socks. And uh, poor guy's been. It's two. Day, we're two days into this this big adventure of yours for the year, and it's been a it's been a bit trying already. It seems it has. But I'm looking out of the window here of my. My Airbnb, which is an apartment downtown Galena, and I'm just looking at lightning everywhere. So hopefully, hopefully oh, this kind no. of blows through. Nah, it's, I haven't even checked the forecast at this point, but it'll, it's all good. Oh. It's all good. Hopefully it'll, be, hope, hopefully it'll be good, and you'll be up here tomorrow. we got a big Moto America weekend that we're going to talk about here in a minute. But, you know, getting on with this thing. So, you know, like you said, it's it's late at night. G-Dub's got to get some rest, and I've been kind of the same. But we had Catalonia. This last weekend, MotoGP, um, again, it's it's you know it's so entertaining right now, and it's so much fun. And we had another new winner for the year. Uh, just when it looked, Greg, like KTM was on the big struggle bus, Miguel Oliveira comes along, wins this race in a true battle, all the way to the end, really, um, over Johan Zarco, who ends up second, who just keeps he just. He's just the bridesmaid every weekend right now. It seems like he just can't win one, can he, Greg? So he was close. He was really close, 0.1 at the line. Jack Miller ends up third, and we'll talk about that in a minute. Juan Mir fourth, just always there, but this time he was 5.3 back. Vinales ends up fifth. Quattararo ends up sixth. Anything happen with Quattararo this weekend, Greg? I I don't really remember anything. What? what? Yeah, did anything happen with Quattararo this last weekend? I don't know. You know. Yeah, I mean, you pick a name, right? You call it uh, Zippergate or Quart Zippergate, <laughs> Zippergate yeah. or yeah, uh, the Zip Slip. I kind of like that oh, one. I I coined oh. that one. You know, the what Janet I mean? the, the Janet Jackson one. Yeah, yeah exactly. You, you did the, coin that. We'll talk more about that <sighs> in a second. Yeah, we'll talk more about it. Bagnaya Bagnaya ends up seventh. Bender eighth. Uh, Franco Morbidelli ends up ninth after what looked like it was going to be a promising weekend at the beginning of the weekend, but it kind of turned out the way I thought it was going to be for him, to be honest with you. We'll get to that too. And Bastianini ends up 10th. Alex Marquez, Luca Marini, Takanakagami, and Jorge Martin, 14th. Greg was with Martin after his sighting lap incident. Lorenzo Salvadori is the last finisher. He's also the last uh, point scorer. Some guys that were some pretty big names that fell out of it, obviously. Mark Marquez crashes again. Um, 
Alicia Spargo crashes, Paula Spargo crashes. Um, and of course, Rossi, um, just tipped off again. So, you know, when you look at the, when you look at the race and you get right to it, um, you, you, you cannot say enough about how strong Miguel Oliveira is. And this really is kind of the race. I think that will kick off his, his championship hopes. I know he doesn't probably want to talk about it, but man, the guy is so strong. And I think that they're, they're coming to some races that are going to be good for that bike. But what did you think of his performance on the weekend? Yeah. I mean, if you really look at it overall, People were chasing him down, and he held his composure. The thing that Miguel Oliveira impressed more than anything else was, I mean, he even talked about it post-race, but he didn't really need to because we saw it. When the pressure was on, he just put it out of his mind, and he just went after it. I mean, he, at the end of the day, he was a tenth of a second faster in the total race time, but he wasn't the fastest guy out there, but he just managed to race. Now, it got a little hectic really behind did, him, yeah. right, Jay? It, it did get a little hectic it behind did. him. It had to sort itself out, so... He also did the right thing and got to the front early and then let like the ruckus that that happened behind him happen. And that ruckus that you're talking about, I thought, you know, you're going to look at the sheets on this and you're going to see Quattro ends up sixth. And there's 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 a lot to that story. Um, but I was really impressed with him. And I'll tell you why. He got a little bit beat up those first couple laps. Um, did Quattro. He, you know, he kind of got he kind of got into I, I can't remember exactly what turn number it is there because I've never been to Catalonia. I'd probably call it uh, maybe six gets in there a little bit deep and, and um, Zarco gets back up underneath him and it, or Juan, what was one of those two at the beginning. And then, and then all the next thing, you know, two more guys got by him, including Oliveira and such. So uh, when you look at it, Quattro kind of got shuffled back to fifth and it was almost like he just settled down for those first five laps, got his feet underneath him and then just started picking guys off. And when he got to second, I really thought, this gap is going to close immediately to Oliveira. And it really didn't. Oliveira did a nice job just kind of keeping that gap kind of the same. Yeah, it was like he managed his race through his pit board because I didn't see him look back. Yeah. And, nope. I mean, dude, what a, if you look at it, what a weekend KTM, KTM Red Bull had. I Amazing. mean, podiums in every classes, two wins. And, I mean, it's like, or all three classes. Like, it, it's, yep. I'm telling you, man, what what the KTM team has done with Red Bull partnering and stuff with the Rookies Cup and the, the pipeline of riders they have coming through is so impressive right now. And I think yeah. part of that translates to a little bit of pressure on the guys that currently have the seat. And I'm not saying that Oliveira all of a sudden responded to that pressure because I think he's always been that guy, you know, since since we saw him last year emerge. And definitely that new frame is helping out like a lot. Like it's the Danny Pedroza effect. And to, to give to give Danny Pedroza a lot of credit, Jay, I didn't I didn't think that Danny Pedroza was going to have as much of an impact as he's had on either. the KTM factory team because word always came around that Danny wasn't a, the greatest tester in the world. But man, he's proved he's proven everybody wrong. Yeah. It's so well said, and it's good that you bring that point up, and you're right. And, I mean, don't you also got to think that, like, when you look at Oliveira, um, his seat was basically given away when he got onto the KTM. I think he was supposed to go straight to the factory team, and he didn't. And then and then because it was Paul. If you remember, it was Paul, and then they brought Binder up, and Oliveira wanted that seat and didn't get it. And then this year he's on the factory KTM, and then Binder just gets signed for another three years. Then there's really no talk of Oliveira. And Oliveira won two Grand Prix last year, if I'm, if I'm not mistaken. He won twice. Um, and then 
you know, Bender gets a three-year deal. Oliveira's just kind of probably sitting there. And, you know, why is nobody giving me a three-year deal right now either? Um, I'm sure that's, I'm sure that deal is in the works, I would hope. Um, but, but yeah, I mean, from the, from the get-go of this race, he just looks solid. And then, you know, again, there's, there's so many guys that we talk about in this class that you go, wow, he's kind of underappreciated. And, you know, Johan Zarco, he hasn't won yet, but he just keeps clicking off podiums. He's really strong at the end of races. Um, I thought he did a tremendous job again, closing that gap. It looked like that gap got bigger. And it was like Zarco just took one more shot at it in the last three or four laps and got close. He's just um, not. He's not doing anything silly, Zarco. No, he rides so smart. I mean, I I just turboed him. I turboed him in fantasy this week because he just has this thing going on, like like yeah. Zarco and Remy Gardner just have this thing going on in you know Moto Two. They do. That's just like it's 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 not luck. Like I know Mark Marquez is one of the most talented racers to to get on a motorcycle. I know the dude works hard. But there's been a huge component of Mark's success, which is luck. And if and I'll go toe to toe with anybody on that. You don't make saves, have the 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 B roll, the the you know the resume of video yes, saves that yes. he has without having some type of luck, you know. And I, I've seen it. Well, I've seen I've seen yeah. luck run out. But what I'm saying is, is right now a guy like Remy Garner and a guy like Johan Zarco, it, it's not that. It's that they're making good decisions. And they're backing it up with the speed, and Zarco, like he's he's hard to bet against. You know, do I think he's going to win a, right. a race this year? That part of it is not. It's not going his way, right? It's got. He's going to win a race. There's no question in my mind. He's going to win a race. Something's got to fall I, in place because he's got the speed, especially at the end of the yeah, race. But he could charge, man. Oof. Yeah. No, he's going to win a race because there's. And, and what's really impressive is how many times he's really upstaged the factory guys. I mean, both times in Doha, I mean, Miller ended up winning a couple races, which was good, but Zarco's really been the guy. And he, right now he's second in the championship, uh, but this is kind of what I'm talking about. Like he's kind of an underappreciated, uh, you know, a lot of the focus has been on Miller and Bagnaya and Bagnaya now has had two not so good races. He started the year off pretty solid here. He was 8.1 back um, and just barely beat Bender. So, so when you look at it, it's Bagnais had two tough races. Jack's had not the greatest race at Mugello, and he ends up third here kind of by default. Didn't really finish third on the racetrack. Um, still got his points, got out of there, um, beat the guys he needs to beat. But, you know, Zarco is the man. And then, of course, Juan Mir. We talk about him every week. Maybe, I mean, again, most underappreciated champion we've seen in MotoGP, I think. Um because nobody even talks about the guy really. I know. Like they really hardly talk about him even on TV. Like mm. it's but he's always there, isn't he? He I mean he is. He's there after the same garbage that's been plaguing Suzuki, right? You know, bad qualifiers. Yeah. And he's got to get a good start. Yeah. But that new Suzuki launch device, I mean, they're <laughs> helped him, didn't Man, it? Man, that's it's probably of all the money that Ducati's popped into that motorcycle, I think Suzuki's probably got the best whole shot device right now didn't he come from like 10th to fourth something like that yeah like and the bike has no legs thing has no legs down a straightaway you see i mean poor guy can't do anything with anybody but you're exactly right i didn't even think about that that launch device on that thing's got to be yeah i mean they've only been running one two three races and and all and both you know the the launches have been great i mean it's yeah it's pretty gnarly i mean 
it's a, it's a very interesting championship as it always is. But to make things even more interesting, Fabio Quadraro. All right. So let's talk about Quart. I was waiting for you. I was waiting for you to get to this. Well, I know. I know. So so <laughs> Vignola ends up Vignola ended up fifth, which was a good result for him considering how far back he was. That inconsistency again plagued him, but then Quattro is it a is good sixth, result for to him? Be fair, he is it. You know what I mean? Like he's he's Maverick Vignales. Like the guy, the guy can win races in such checkout, and then all of a sudden now we talk about him. We're like, hey, fifth, good job. Yeah, but he was like tenth or twelfth at one point. I mean, yeah, it's like I know that's true. The inconsistency that he has, but but again, we're going to be talking about a guy in Quattro who didn't win the race, um, and he was really the talking point of the race. No, it was because he was fast and the way he was doing it. So, yeah. look, here's here's the bottom line. Quattararo's racing. He gets himself up in the second. There's three cameras on his bike. One of them's facing him. Late in the race, they cut to a shot of him with his bare chest. Now, before that happens, yeah. before his, his, his suit is open, the zipper's down to the bottom, yeah. the suit's open, let the speculation begin, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, my God. People start going bonkers about what happened and, all these people think they know what they're talking about. Ah, his chest protector slid up and was choking him, so he unzipped his... What are you talking about? He's worn that chest protector a hundred freaking times before. A thousand times. Or a thousand yes. times before, and I'm riding up and choking him. Yeah. Give me a break. It is interesting to see guys still... I, I don't know about you, but I could never... Well, I, I did it a couple of times, but I hated not having something underneath my suit. Well, like yeah, he, I mean, you we... Know, he's we, got no, like, inner suits on. Yeah, I mean, what... Back in the day, you know, I mean, it was like a back protector. There was no chest protector. I remember when chest protectors first. No, I'm came talking in. about the inner suit, like having something, a layer between your. Oh, a layer. Oh right? no, I ran. I ran a layer uh, between. I ran with just, uh, you know, um, Superman underpants for years. Nothing else. It's cute. Most of the leathers that I had, this. though, and had, we didn't need. Yeah, I'm just kidding, but I mean, I read, you know, for years I rode just really just underpants, but. A lot of the suits that I've had in the past had a liner built into the suit itself, you know. So correct, yeah. But then when you went liner liner, forget it. It was th- that was great, you know. You could take the suit off yeah. super easy and all that stuff because a lot of times, yeah, I know what you're saying. But um, so anyway, his his zipper comes down and he races. So I'll you want me to read you the tweet that I because I watched the whole race from his onboard. Yeah, camera. do it. Do so it. So this is yep. what I you put on Twitter. Tonight, so yeah, do it. So uh, after watch, this is what I say. After watching the entire MotoGP race from Quattararo's onboard camera, I'll say this: Quart zipper gate in quotes. I'll say this about Quart. There are three different camera angles on his <laughs> M1. One is out the front tail section. I'm kind of paraphrasing some of this stuff, Jay. Out the front, yep, yep, yep. Tail section looking forward and then facing Fabio. Now I'm guessing that the TV truck has the entire race from the onboard camera isolated, right? Like why wouldn't you have all three why of those? All three of those isolated. Because Dorna's got a lot of money. You know what I mean? Like they have and they a, got lot a lot of cameras. They got a ton of cameras. Right. Now, now, if it was us and we had multiple cameras on one bike, chances are we would only have what we call a line cut. So if you if you have MotoGP.com, and sometimes you don't realize this, but you can watch the entire race from a rider's onboard camera, which I've done before, which is an absolute spectacular view. No commentary, watching all the action on board so you can hear the revs, you can hear everything. But there is someone who's cutting that. So if they have multiple cameras, they're going to cut it for what they need. Anyway, back to the tweet. Um, so someone can see the zipper. Like what I said was someone can see how the zipper crept its way down 
or what might have caused the zip slip. Yes, I'm proud of myself by that quote. Uh, a guess, Jason, this is what I wrote, a guess. The material on the zipper, the bit that you grab with gloves, might have been caught in the tank by the gas cap. But without question, Fabio looks upset about racing with an open suit. When he completes the last lap, you can see that he is baffled as to what happened and tries a couple times to zip the suit. Eventually, he gets it done and all looks normal. I, can, I can't even imagine how unnerving it would be to race a race like that and be at the front. And now to further elaborate on the footage that I saw. The race begins at 35 minutes, 30 seconds. That's the time of the POV footage. We see two camera cuts from the beginning of the race until one hour and 10 minutes and 30 seconds ish in. So Jay, for over 25 minutes, all you're seeing is the front cameras. Okay. Or is the, is the tail cam and the nose cam. Mm -hmm. Those shots in the first part of the race are only those two angles, as I explained. So, at 57 minutes and 54 seconds in, okay? So the race starts at 35 minutes. So we're 22 minutes, 22 and a half minutes in. His zipper appears to be done up, and you can see his leather still looking normal. Then they cut to the nose cam all the way till one, one hour 10. By that time, yeah. you can see the extra bunching by the hips, and when he sits up and breaks, the suit puffs up, giving the appearance that the tech air deployed in the suit, you know? And... It's then at one hour, 1144. So that shot that I'm talking about is at, at 10 minutes and 21 seconds in. So a minute and 20 seconds later, they cut to the shot facing him for the first time. And then you can see that he has open leathers. And then they run that sucker yeah. all the way to the end of the race, including. Until, it's like three laps. It looked like it was about three and a half laps to go. Was it not great? I think it was a little bit. I think it was a little before that because. <laughs> because they, the first the first thing they show is they show like. Basically, they show him taking the chest protector out or falling out when they're going through turn three or something. And at that point, they didn't really show much. And then they then they eventually cut to the the video of his suit opened in the front. Right. I mean, I can tell you when he angle. ran off in yeah. turn one, late in the race, yeah. the suit was already open. Yep. So there were people yep. speculating, right? Like so. So obviously, think about it. All right, when when Fabio races and a lot of guys race at this level, they're in a tuck full time. Right. They're trying to stay as aero as possible, but they sit up to break. So when he sits up to break and his suits wide open, it puffs out the back. Right. So it kind of gives that appearance, especially from like the, the, an overhead shot, you know, oh yeah, or a far sure. away like shot. There's well, in a sense, there is air in there. It's like a yeah, the air yeah. is inside the suit. Exactly. So, so, exactly right. so it puffs up, whatever. So I got I got a couple of questions to talk to you, ask you about this because you know, it's, it's nighttime. I'm not as fired up as I normally am probably, but like <laughs> for me, there were two things again in this where again, race directions involved with, with everything. We don't really know what's going on until late. Like now I feel like I have to watch five minutes after the race just to get to see what's going to happen. Right. So the first thing you talked about just now, besides the, besides the suit opening up was, you know, he ran off in turn one, you know, Zarco gets up underneath him. Um, Fabio tries to kind of go in there with him. He loses the front. You can see that very clearly. He loses the front, gets the bike stood up. He goes to essentially where the, you know, goes, goes across the green, gets into where the actual um, long lap penalty is and follows the long lap penalty. He doesn't cut back across the green. He like follows the long lap penalty. He lost a ton of time, didn't gain a second. And they dock him three seconds. And I'm sitting there and I'm saying, 
It, it just doesn't make any sense to me. They're, they're starting to overthink this to the point where like, well, if that was grass, let me tell you right now, if that was grass, and the guy pinned it across there. He could have made it to the other side of the track quicker. He didn't. He actually went a longer way around. <clears throat> Pulled back on the track right in front of Miller. All right. Let me say this. So I, apparently on Friday, you know, they had a conversation with the riders basically saying, look, if you blow turn one, which happens, it, it's happened it happens. plenty of times. That is a very fast straightaway, you know, trying to haul the bike down and in a draft and all that kind of stuff. If this happens, you have to yield one second or else you get three seconds. Yeah, and he like, went seven tenths or something, right? Yeah. And his argument yeah, was, I don't have, tenths. I don't have a timer on my bike. And I agree with him. Like, like to, to, to say, so silly. to say that a rider in, in that situation who literally just gathered their bike up from wadding themselves up shitless is going to go, okay, hold on one second. One, 1,000. Now I'm good. It's, it's, it's so overthought. Do you think, do you think this, okay, so let me ask you a couple questions because I just want to get your perspective. Do you think, do you think that if Jack Miller finishes fourth the way he does in that race, that he is protesting the fact that Quattro should be behind him? Do you think Jack Miller even Jack doesn't care. Doesn't give a shit. He, he, would have been he would have been the guy that would have been like I finished fourth. Wait a minute, I finished third. Of course you're going to take it, but it's two weekends in a row now because we've seen this with Joe Roberts and Bedecki at Mugello. Like Bedecki didn't even want to take the podium. It didn't seem like it was like, eh, this is really awkward. Race direction's making this awkward. Like, like the fact that Jack Miller couldn't get by Quattararo for those last three laps. Quattararo had a little bit of extra pace and he was able to stay ahead. So you're going to dock the guy three seconds. Now, to me, that was. That was the more, that was the worst penalty as far as the two penalties that he gets. My next question to you is, I'm a little bit calmer tonight, right? Mm-hmm. So this is good. Yeah, Probably some in yeah the house. you're calmer. There's a bunch of people. Yeah. But, but can you name any MotoGP rider with three or four laps to go in a Grand Prix whose leathers came apart for whatever reason it is, would have pulled in? Can you name anybody? Like, who with three or four laps to go knows that their suit is open and pulls in? Uh, I mean, the only people that would do it, Jay, it, would, it, wouldn't, it wouldn't be someone on the regular. Like, I couldn't say every time this would happen. But for sure, the only people that would pull in are the people that are struggling and want to not race their bike anymore and use it as an excuse. You know what I'm saying? But beyond that, I think, I think the question should be, if you're on a podium – and there's three lap, four laps to go, and your suit blows, o- blows open, and you're in a podium position. And you're leading the championship. And you're leading, and the, you're championship. leading the championship. Are you pulling in? There is 0.0 chance I'm pulling in. Now, I'm going to tell you something that's going to seem a little funny. If I felt my helmet strap or something come undone, like it came undone, let's just say something crazy happened, mm-hmm. my helmet strap came undone, I think as a rider, I'd probably pull in. I probably would. I probably would be like, shit, I can't take the chances here of my helmet falling off if I do crash and ding in my dome. But if my suit came undone at the front, I'm probably going to gut it out and just try to get through these last three or four laps. So there's a couple things that really struck me with this whole thing. Number one, I have a real hard time when you see guys that are former racers jumping on Twitter like five minutes after race that Quattamaro should have been black flagged. Okay. Now, I'm not disagreeing that he should have been. I'm saying that I have a real hard time with racers coming out and saying, oh, he should have been black flag. Because what they're basically saying is they would have pulled in. They would have pulled in. Yeah. 
And and because they were smart, they would have been smart or they would have, or they or they're saying they would have complied with the black flag, which we've seen people not comply with the black flag and And, try to protest that protest after. Every time I see it, Casey Stoner is oh should have been black flag. It was unbelievable. This unbelievable, and I'm like, dude, if you were in the championship and you had three laps to go, there is zero point zero percent chance that Casey Stoner's pulling in. Okay, Mm -hmm. number one. Now. Great. What if it was the third lap of the race? What do you think? Do you think the rider pulls in then? I mean, yeah, because you got the whole race ahead of you, I think, and at least you give yourself a chance I, to I get agree those, with you again. those leathers zipped up and get back out there and score some points, right? You have a lot better chance of contact being made when you're in a group of six, eight, ten guys at the beginning of a race, in my opinion. This is how I would be thinking as a racer. I'm not putting any of these other guys at any risk. Like, the, where that came from after the race, where Quattro kind of had the shits with a few guys saying that that Quattro is putting them at risk by racing like that. I'm like, what is what are they on about? Like, the only guy at risk in this whole thing is Quattro. That's the only guy at risk. He is the only guy taking the chances of falling over and and having skin grafts done. Okay, but that's his decision. And with three laps to go, I don't know a racer that's going to pull in. I don't know a racer that's going to pull in. Not in that position, so, no. If they're if they're in 14th, I know plenty that would. Right. And now the last thing I got to say, and this is what I really don't understand. And I, and, and I hate even bringing this up, but can you tell me the relevance of what people are trying to say about um, the unfortunate loss of Jason uh, right now? Yeah. DePasque. Can you tell me the relevance of, of young Jason's incident at Magello and Quattro continuing to ride when people are going, you know, it's obviously they didn't, they didn't learn their, these writers aren't learning their lesson. And like, I'm like, what are they on about? I mean, dude, I have no idea. I mean, I think it's even worse to bring Jason DePasquier's name into that conversation. Why would you even do what that? What the hell does it have to do with Fabio Quadraro's leathers coming unzipped? Nothing. Like, nothing. Nothing. They're totally different situations. Zero. And enough, you know, what you don't realize is you're using Jason DePasquier's death to try to make a point on Twitter. Oh, oh so how, how magnanimous of you. You know what I mean? Yeah, or you're trying just, to use his death to, to shame what Quadraro? Like, give me a break. Yeah, but it's just, but look, to Quadraro's credit, dude, he basically just told everybody to go F themselves because he came up with that. Post I loved it. Where he was on his, he was on his bike, what, in his underpants. After and, testing all day and all yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the, the team helmet he and everything. As, he did it as, he did it as a funny thing, though. It was a funny thing. And like, people were like, like just ripping on him about not taking it serious. And this, like, dude, people lighten up, man. Like, just stop so let's just get back off this real quick and let's just get back to the race direction side of it the penalty for running off in turn one was ridiculous to me now when it comes to the black flag greg if you get black flag during a race okay how much time are you losing if you pull in the pits hmm catalonia a lot of time 30 seconds yeah Yeah. 30 seconds at least by the time he comes down pit lane and gets the zipper done up and gets back out it's probably 30 40 seconds okay so Right, because you can do the zipper in no time, as he proved on the cooldown lap. But you gotta, you have a pit lane speed limiter the entire pit lane. And besides all this, so race direction then just decides well, we're going to penalize him three seconds. So if six, the next or, guy if six the, seconds, they no three seconds for the first penalty and three seconds for the next uh, six seconds total. Okay. So so let's just say this. Let's say the next race. You're leading by eight seconds. Your leathers blow open with three to go. You're going to get penalized three seconds, or what are they going to do with you? <laughs> they have 
they've skewed this whole thing so bad and they've buried themselves so much. And now people are starting to talk about it. If you remember during our podcast, the last two months, I've been saying nobody talks about it. They're starting to now because oh, yeah. race direction, in my opinion, has, is, is making this stuff so complicated, so over the top, over analyzing, overthinking, and, and just over managing the situations that they're creating a bigger problem for themselves. Well, did you see like the new rule that came out the other day about, about that whole situation? No, I didn't. So basically what race direction did was they came out and this is, you know, obviously led by Freddie Spencer and Bill Cumbo, uh, both Americans, but basically said that because of the complicated nature of, so of basically, so those guys don't see the penalties. The penalties are coming from whatever it is, Jay. Uh, I, it's like it's like race direction. Race direction sees the penalties. Then these guys, Freddie and Bill, they're the ones who who say what the what the actual penalty is going to be. So race direction sees the infraction. Okay, but the problem it, is is it. that like in qualifying in particular, there's so many infractions that they keep going. Well, hold on, we've we found another one, and hold on, we found another yep. one, and hold on, we found another one. Meanwhile, people are moving up and down the ladder. No one really knows anything. Like, it's a big a mess. So they basically said, like, okay, look, you have 60 minutes until the end of, like, free practice two or whatever it is. It's it's a rule that, mm-hmm. that basically put a time limit in place that basically says if race direction finds an infraction after this time, it doesn't matter. doesn't uh, matter. That's how far they've dug themselves into a hole is that yeah, it's, things have it's, gotten so convoluted. People can't rely on what the heck, what, what time they just did. Who's, who's actually in front of them. Who's behind them. Yeah. Like it's, it's so out of control right now. And of course it affected another podium position in moto three this weekend. And, you know, GP moto three. It's like, it's, it's every weekend now, every weekend. Well, what's funny is if you it's go, just, if you go back and look at brutal, if you go back and look at the races on MotoGP.com, in the timeline, they have different colored hash marks that are in there, right? It'll say, like, the green one is the race start, the red one is the race finale, you know? And then they have all these little hash marks in there that say, like, a replay of high speed of Remy Gardner yeah. or whatever. And now, yes. now they've added, in the last couple of weeks, a purple hash mark that indicates when race direction either issues a warning or a penalty during the race. And you should see them, dude. I mean, there's like four or five of them in Moto3. There's a couple of them in the three or four of them in Moto2. Like, it's ridiculous, man. And it's yeah, like... It's ridiculous. It's Yeah. And, and the question now is, how are they going to dig themselves out of this hole? That's the bottom line. Uh, it's it, This can't continue on like this and... as people finish a race and then everybody turns around and looks at each other. Or they look up at the tower dude. waiting for race direction to make their final conclusion on who wins the race. <laughs> Here's one thing that I learned really like doing TV with you is that essentially when our last interview was done on the podium, people shut off. They're done. Like people don't watch for the next, you know, 20 minutes or whatever it is that there could be just, just, just like, so, so in other words, when, when MotoGP does their, their last interview, People shut off. They don't go through the podium ceremony. They don't, you know, watch all the rest of it for the no. next 20 minutes, right? Because I've got friends that are like, wait, what? Uh, Joe Roberts didn't finish third? I'm like, no. What do you mean? I'm like, yeah, no, Joe Roberts did. He got a podium. I, I saw him finish third. Yeah, no, he didn't finish third. And people are like, what? 
So, so it's so confusing and it's so bad for the sport. And, and because I'm the same, I, I'll sit there and I look at results and this yellow flag thing that we talk about in qualifying, like blows my mind because in races, you can have four or five guys going through there at race speed with a yellow flag. They're not slowing down and nobody's getting penalized for that. So there's a love number of things. Um, before this turns into a four hour podcast for us, mm. I got two more things for you. Okay. When does Rossi retire? When does he announce it? After the Is break. I mean, I think he's got to after the break. I just, I don't, I don't see how Valentino Rossi as Valentino. Like I know what people say about the old Valentino Rossi, the new Val, whatever it is. Okay, the one thing I do know about people is you don't, you don't, you can't get uncompetitive. Okay, Rossi's not sitting back going, "Hey, I'm at a MotoGP race and finishing 21st is cool with me." Yeah. I think that this no. is there's something missing. You say he's got to recognize but, it. Yeah, like I, I think it wasn't that, like his results were stellar last year, and now he's got the guy on a bike that he rode last year, winning the you know leading the world. No, what I'm saying is, is I, I just don't. I don't think he's in it for the fun of it. And I don't think he needs to, to keep his brand going. Like it's not that, that that's totally fine, especially with the race team coming up and you know what I mean? Everything else. So I think that he really looks hard at it and he says, okay, I mean, the only thing I could see is, I don't know. I don't know why this would happen, but if, you know, yep. if he ends up racing for his own team on a Ducati because he thinks the Ducati's good and turns his back on Yamaha, but I don't see how that's going to happen. I just think that really the smartest thing to do at this point is just retire because this is where Yamaha, you know, when they make promises to people and they're like to Rossi years ago, right? Like, as long as you want to race, we'll have a Yamaha for you. Lynn Jarvis yeah. has got to be sitting there at Yamaha going like, Ugh. <laughs> I agree. Well, you know, cause you can't I agree. You can't, and now there's just, yeah. I mean, what do you, why, there's what do just you so think? much young talent. Isn't there just so much young talent now? There's well, so and many even guys he's that cultivating it, right? And, I mean, you know, the Aventia team's correct. going away. Rossi's bringing Ducati, two Ducatis in there. And, you know, yeah. it's like, yeah. so he's going to, he's going to be still a huge part of it. And the last thing is I, I really, I, I gotta be honest. I can't, I, I, well, I'm not calling it, I can't, I'd be foolish to, I thought Mark Marquez showed a lot at the beginning of that race and he was there. It's the third race we've seen him crash out of. Um, and, but it sounded like the test on Monday went extremely well for him. It was a very much more of a low pressure environment. He ran a ton of laps, which means his race fitness is getting back. I was going to mm-hmm. put you on the spot. Does he win a race this year? Even better. Who wins a race first, Zarco or Marquez? Wow. Um, see, I'm a little, I'm con- a little confused about the rules currently with MotoGP, with COVID, with development and who gets it. You know, if, they're able to roll out an early version of the 2022 frame, but I mean, the engines mm-hmm. have to remain the same. I'm pretty sure the bike has to remain the same. So I, I it really does show you what the, the pace has gotten MotoGP now. Doesn't oh, it? please dude. The pace is so fast. Yeah, and I mean, it's you crazy. know, it's yeah, Mark, Mark Marquez not being around didn't do anything. I mean, Mark Marquez, the Mark Marquez effect for years is what mm-hmm. we're seeing now. I'm convinced of that. Everybody's chasing Mark. Everybody's spending money on development. Everybody, you know what I mean? Like electronics engineers are bouncing back and forth. And, and with one goal in mind, beat Mark Marquez. And so without yeah. him being there, you're seeing the residual effects of all that focus. And But now everything's been frozen. So to answer your question, I think we see Zarco win a race before Marquez because Marquez magic is what makes the Honda good. I mean, it was only two years ago when the head of HRC was like, 
or, you know, the team was like, we're not changing the Honda, you know, because when Cal was like going, hey, we yeah, need changes. Yeah, yeah. They're like, we're, we're Honda. We're not changing it. Mark Marquez is winning on it. And we all sat there. I mean, dude, I could go back and find clips of us on this podcast saying, yeah, yeah. all that's great. But if Mark Marquez has a bad go at it and he doesn't win, Honda's not going to find a win. And that's exactly where they're finding themselves. And how do you not as Honda look across and go, holy shnikes, next year we're going to have potentially eight Ducatis on the grid, right? Amazing. Because you're adding, yeah. you're adding, I mean, you have the Aventia bikes, but so you're going to swap them out for Rossi's bike. And now Grassini's going, they're ditching Aprilia and they're going back to Ducati. That's eight freaking Ducatis. And it's like, why? Because, you know, not that Honda wants to have more bikes on the grid, but you're like, why? Right. Because they're easy to ride. You know what I mean? And because yeah, th- they want to support it. Where Honda has been yeah, Honda, I, dude. Yeah. I mean, it's 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 well documented well, this at this point, though. I'm, Hold on, it's well documented at this point that Rossi leaves Honda because it was the ultimate debate: who's better, Honda or Rossi? And Honda said we are, and he left, went to Yamaha, and whipped their ass. So yeah, with, <laughs> it's so weird seeing a powerhouse that in your and I's lifetime, as far as motorcycles go, Honda's always been a powerhouse. Always, they're always been this big power. Now KTM's winning races, and you go like. Nobody's really talking about Honda, and nobody really wants to be on that bike. Every time oh, I see Oh, they're talking Polestar about Honda, the Jason. Gravel, it's like the, the, in a bad you know, way, the, yeah. The dark, the darkest days. Like you know, Repsol Honda, uh, they bottomed out. I'm like, nah, I don't think they've bottomed out yet. Well, I don't think yeah, so. Yeah, well, and the worst part is, is it's like you sit there, and every time I see Paul Sparger on the little kitty litter, I'm like, oh, he's watching those orange bikes going around and just ripping it. It's like, <laughs> granted, KTM is not; they have not had a good year. KTM has not had a very good year up to this point. They've had a couple good races, but this one was a really good one for them, Miguel Oliveira. Um, it's great. We're, dude, to, win know, a Catalunya, to win a Catalonia is a different racetrack, and so that's where you've got to look at it and turn your head go, hey, wait yep. a second. The All right, Miguel Oliveira bigger, wins. It? It's not his home track. Like, you know what I mean? To unexpectedly yeah. go to, and yeah, it's a thing. It's a whole thing. Yeah, the footprint for a KTM keeps getting bigger with each new track that they go to and mm-hmm. win, which is great. They're going to Saxon Ring next. Well, be an interesting track there. If it works uh, at Saxon Ring, got, dude, and it works, you know, like that. Uh, yeah. Mm, yeah. I'm but excited Saxon for KTM. Kinda, Saxon Ring's been a little bit Yamaha country over the years, I believe. Um, and the uh, it's been some Honda. Well I mean, well. you know, turning left so, and stuff. Well, you know, with with Marquez, yeah. But yeah, I'm saying like, Marquez, yeah. So it's a place where we've seen other guys too. All right, so let's get to Moto Two because, you know, when you look at Moto Two, this by all by all race standards, I don't think was the most fun race to watch. It's a very tactical race. It almost looks like two teammates kind of work themselves together a little bit to create a gap. And then kind of sort this out amongst themselves. Now, that being said, the race winner, Remy Gardner, beats his teammate by 1.8 seconds. And really what was a brilliant last four laps, Remy led early. Rubble Fernandez gets by him. Um, Remy kind of stalks him for most of the race. And then he ends up passing him and not just passing him, so defiantly pass him and just split. 1.8 seconds at the end. Only another one second behind that, behind Fernandez, was Chavi Vierge, he ends up third. Badecki ends up fourth, 3.2 back. Augusta Fernandez, Bo Ben Snyder, Sam Lowe's, who to me, <laughs> to me looked like he was just like, okay, somebody has talked to him about, you need to score us points. You need to stop, you know, tipping off here. And and mm-hmm. Sam rode a very mm-hmm. smart race. I think it's kind of a race he probably felt okay about. At the end, he's 4.8 back. Um, there were times when he was this quick. Uh, but I think it was good that he just he was able to get himself a result 
Marcel Schwader ends up eighth, Chantra ninth, Joe Roberts tenth, um, Navarra, Arenas, Arbolini, Vietti, and Luthi rounded out your top points, guys. Obviously, Cam struggled a lot, ends up 19th, really nowhere to be found. Joe Roberts was the better part of 15th, 16th, 17th until a number of incidents happened towards the end of the race that jumped him up. But, man, you said it earlier on the podcast. Remy Gardner is so impressive right now. Uh, he's just matured. It's, it's like he knows he's got a great team and a great bike behind him now. It's almost like he can take a deep breath, isn't it, Greg, in these races and go, okay, I'm going to see how things play out. And then I'm going to strike when I need to strike. He doesn't need to ride over the limit for a whole Grand Prix anymore. That's what he said post-race, in essence, Jason. He was like, okay, I get out to the race start, or, you know, I get out to the, to the lead. I put my head down. I try to break free. I can't break free. I don't know who's behind me. Mm-hmm. I, you know, and then all of a sudden my teammate passes me. And he goes, all right, mm-hmm. I'm going to try to stay behind him. And he goes, and I'm staying behind him. So then all I did was conserve my tire. And he said, with two laps to go, I want to pass him. But the opportunity presented itself in such a big, like, dude, I know I, look, I know I'm not that fast and all that kind of stuff. But turn one, turn one at Catalonia is actually, it's pretty gnarly. Like, you've got to have a lot of trust in your front end because you're coming from such high speed, coming kind of down a hill. And then that turn one kind of tightens up on you. But that's one of those corners, Jay, that you would love to teach people how to mm-hmm. ride there because that corner is really about the exit of turn two. It's about getting through turn two because it's kind of a right, left, quick, and then you got to drive up this hill. So turn one is it my, pretty uphill to that? Is that is that long right hander pretty uphill? Yeah, that long three? yeah, is that long right hander hit, hit. It looks so good. Bridge. It looks yeah. so fun. It's yeah. cool, and it's not a perfect. It's not a perfect like circle corner either. It's kind of like a. Okay. Almost like um, a carousel at Mid-Ohio type of corner. It's longer uh, yes, than that, yes. and it goes uphill. But I'm yeah, saying, remember the carousel? You kind of drift out, drift back, drift out, drift back kind of a thing. Um, but anyway, like, yeah. yeah, like a, yeah, yeah. But, but what I'm saying is is that Remy is behind his teammate, Fernandez, and then hmm. they're under, they're breaking, and all of a sudden Remy just like, like goes, oh, doors open, and just let off the brakes. And he threw it Sounds in there. Like doors so open, I'm in a little, it was, yeah, a little yeah. deep. Like a little deep. Yeah. And I don't know. I mean, he made it stick. It was a great, it was a great pass. And then that he goes, all right. And then he put his head down and just checked out on him. I mean, he understands, mm-hmm. I think, that that this is the part that's really great. If you look at the management of the race, which you just talked about, and I and I told you that exactly what he said. But I think the other side of that equation is, is that, he understands that his teammate is still a rookie in the class and is still struggling to figure out how to make that tire work. And he used it to his advantage. You know, how good is this rookie, this rookie though? Oh, dude, I he's mean, un- he's unreal. I mean, he's unreal. I mean, you got, you got, you got Acosta and you got him right now that are just, I mean, gigantic prospects over there. And you, you, you know, you know that I look a yeah. lot at body position as you know, you know, that's, yeah. that's a favorite thing of mine. Yeah. One thing I noticed, <clears throat> excuse me. Um, with the onboard shots was that Raul Fernandez, there's a couple corners where he would make mid body adjustments at full lean angle in the moto two bike. And there were mm-hmm. real subtle changes, even moving his knee, um, you know, because he, he thinks he's feeling the bike to, you know, do something to me, yep. it showed a lot of comfort, a lot of comfort yeah. and, and, yeah. you know, with the bike. Yeah. And that's not easy when you're coming from a moto three bike to a moto two bike, you know, it's right. 
It's not. He's really it's a, it's impressive. Different, faster, heavier. Yeah, it's it's amazing bike. Uh, I mean, amazing riders. Just it's good. And I thought I thought Bo Ben Schneider did a good job. He was he in did. there for quite a long time. So yeah, I was pulling you know, he, for him. He to basically, get on the box. I was too. I was too because he he kind of kept those guys in sight and kept dragging that next bunch up to those guys. So again, um, tremendous effort from Remy Gardner. Just looking at the world standings uh, at the moment, Greg uh, Remy's got himself a little bit of a lead, not much, 11-point lead over his teammate, Raul Fernandez, Bezecki. So Remy's at 139, Bezecki now is at 101, Sam Lowe's is at 75. So, you know, he's, he's it's kind of turned into a little bit of a two-horse race. Bezecki just hasn't been able to kind of show that that little bit extra speed that he needs to, to beat these guys yet. I still think he's got his best days ahead of him. So we'll see how that goes. In Moto3, when we look back at Moto3, Greg, um, just an incredible crazy nutty nuts race that again when you look at um some of the things that went on in this race uh but i just want to make sure i got it let's see her one second greg uh no, Sergio garcia it obviously like, wins it. it like it's okay i got yeah, yeah garcia yeah, Alcoba, yeah. in second you got it dennis on you yep. yeah go ahead third yep jami masia Binder, Rodrigo, Acosta, Antonelli in eighth, Toba in ninth, Nepa in tenth, Fanati, Cooney, Bartolini, Yamanaka, and Holgado. Okay, look. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's by the way, that's 15 points paying positions. There were 18 finishers in this race, but on the last lap, there were 15 riders. In a group for the win, they went into turn one. I paused it and counted it. They were nine oh, did wide. You re- did you really? Yeah, I had to. <laughs> I had to. They were nine wide, and you could even make an argument that they were 15 wide. Like it was crazy because Jeremy Alcoba going into the final, you know first corner final the last two, time two or three corners from the end two or three corners from from the end of the lap going into the final lap so he was good they were coming around for the final one. Oh, that's right they're coming around the front straightaway right it was the final was like corner three corners from the three corners from the end he's leading and he just sits up he just sits up because it was like you and ben spees at daytona i'm not taking the lead i'm not taking the lead you take the lead i'm not gonna take the lead who's gonna take the lead anybody gonna take the lead i don't know i'm not taking the lead you know what i mean Meanwhile, the whole pack's yeah. well, catching up. So all of a sudden, I mean, it was a bunch anyway. And now you bunch them up the even more. the lead guy checks up in front of everybody like that, Dude, though, it's so bad. Out of, he should Let be Let me tell fired. you right now, Greg, what what he did there, Yeah, 10 times worse than Quattararo going around for the last three laps. Listen, by the way, Quattararo gets fined. Quattararo gets a second fine. He gets a second fine for, you know, the open leather suit thing, which is, yeah, I get it's a rule. But he gets that fine because he didn't get black flagged. Like, that fine is because race direction didn't black flag him, and they had to, like, save it's some unreal. face, by the way. That's all I'm going to say about unreal. that. But anyway, Moto3 is absolutely positively insane. There was a big crash at the at the end. A couple of the guys that were in there didn't make it to the end. Uh, it was caused by a high side and then a chain reaction because they raced so close. I mean, it. when I saw the replay, of course, my heart went in my throat. Me too. The rider that Saki again, wasn't it? Uh, yeah, but he is um, he he was held for observation overnight uh, for I think an aneurysm in his brain or something like that and and some other stuff. But he's out. 
I saw on social media today. They said he's at home. They said he's, he's home, at home resting, right? which is good news, you know. Um, but anyway, Moto3 is crazy. It's great racing if you like racing. You know, one second covered the top 10. It would have covered the top 15, but five guys crashed on the last lap, more or less. Yes. Uh, Fanati, I think, crazy. saved it, whatever. But, um, I mean, the hardest part of all is how do you turn around to Pedro Acosta, who finishes three-tenths of a second back, and he's P7, and how do you not go, uh, dude, good job. I mean, great job. Like, Well, never. You, he started you know, 25th. Or twenty six or something. No, but I'm, what, so I'm not. I'm, I'm not signaling him. I'm not. I'm not. Like what I'm saying is, yeah, is that you? You can't be upset. I think as a racer, no, you can't. No, you got to be happy. You just made it to the end at this point. You know. It By the way, do you anymore. see Dennis Anju yes. in, in Winter Circle? Yeah. So so Jami Masia finishes third, but he he did. Glad he, you brought he, this up. He got on the green paint, and it was clear he got on the green paint. Penalty was assessed immediately on the last lap. He gets docked a position. So Dennis Anjou then gets ushered into <laughs> victory circle. And it was awesome, dude. That dude was so pumped. His post-race interview, he, he cried through the whole interview, which was which was awesome. Well, which is great. And I love it. And But see, here's the thing. Uh-huh. If I'm a team owner again, uh-huh. if I'm a team owner, I'm saying, listen, no matter what, no matter what, do not touch green paint on the last lap. You've already seen that race direction doesn't care. You're not going to get an argument. And there's six or eight other guys behind Masia going the exact same speed that don't get anywhere near that green paint. And Masia, to me, is a kid who's got a lot of speed, but he hasn't matured the way that like a Remy Gardner has and some of these other guys. I mean, Johnny Masia should have been winning this championship by now already. Should have been. And what is he in? Is he in the fourth year now? We see him winning races. We see him. I mean, he still crashes a lot. Here's, a, here's an opportunity for him to be on the podium. And for whatever reason, he ran on the green paint. I watched that actually. Re- I replayed it. I'm like, there was no reason for him to even go out that wide. Mm. So it's just got to be so frustrating to be these team owners, to see these kids continue to make the same mistakes. But, you know, race direction. And I think Rossi even came out and said something this week about something's got to be done in these Moto3 classes because these kids don't even think anything now of going through the last corner in a in – a, a long race like they had and just all of a sudden sitting up just sits up in front of 15 or 16 guys just rolls the throttle off and sits up because he doesn't want to lead down the straightaway because he doesn't want to get drafted and race control did nothing about that that i saw well that's that that's this is my problem it's like they want to make the easy calls at this point that is so much danger that's so so dangerous i know and they don't want to make the tough calls i mean if so I'm in, crazy. if I'm in race control at that at that point, and I'm the one who says these are the fines, I mean, as far as I'm concerned, Jeremy Alcolb is done. He's he's sitting out for a race. Yeah. Sorry, buddy. And, and to the announcer, and, and honestly, to the announcers' credits, mm-hmm. they even said that's. A, I think one of them said that's a bit cheeky. That's a bit that something should be done about that. You know what I mean? Like that is that was a deal where you you cannot just check up in front of a fast group of riders like that. Just insane, but Moto three is crazy. Moto three is insane, and we've come to like come to realize that. So, it's uh, <laughs> yeah. Anyways, moving on. All right. Well, let's yeah. Let's let's shift gears here and let's move on to. Uh, I don't even know what I have in the rundown. I haven't even looked at it. Moto America. I would hope. Is what I put. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's right? Moto America gonna, here. Right. 
This weekend, yeah. Yeah, this weekend coming up, man. Moto America is at Road America and um, promises to be some great racing because Road America normally produces great racing, you know, without Cameron Bobier anyway, because of uh, big, long straightaways and drafting and passing. And Jason, I don't know if you've seen an entry list. Have you seen an entry list? It's stacked. 36, it's stacked. 36 it, riders in Superbike. 36 in yeah, Superbike are trying to qualify. All right. And I just love 46 it. Yeah. in stock thousand. Now, the good news is this track's bigger, right? So, you know, even with 36 riders, you could still go out and only run into a couple riders if you have that kind of weekend luck. I mean, I'm I'm sure you've had weekends where you didn't see anybody, you couldn't draft anybody, and all of a sudden you yeah. go racing with people, right? Like it does happen, but yeah. it does. I mean, dude, how how is it that we're about to have a conversation, which we're not really, but we could have a conversation that says Moto America needs to start limiting how many people enter these classes because it's gotten so mm -hmm. popular in such a short period of time. Um, but non nonetheless, you know, a lot of the 36 riders, the, the people that are running at the sharp end of the spear remains the same, you know, like it's, it it's yeah. yeah, it's most mid pack and uh, the Superbike cup riders and everything else. But it's good to see that 36 people have paid their money and they're, they're willing to come out. Jason Farrell, who's a, a local favorite from Oshkosh, Wisconsin, will be out on a ZX10. You know, who knows what a guy like that can do? You know, I don't know how 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 much thousand experience he has, but you know, what's really impressive, I don't know if you've seen seen the entry list or not, but you probably already know. And I haven't talked to anybody at Moto America, but I mean it's public list. Larry Pegram's racing a Ducati. He's coming. No, I've talked I've actually talked to Larry. Oh my God. And he's tested. I'm so excited. So Dude, he's so pumped because he just loves he loves to ride. He's a totally different Larry than like kind of how we remember him. Yeah. I, I say that. He's still the same Larry, but he's he's he knows his place in his life right now. He still loves to ride, which I just love it. I love that about him. Um, but yeah, he's back. But dude, who's gonna stop the Gagne train? Like Gagne? I, 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 I mean That's what I'm saying, Jay. The only person that can stop Gagne right now is Jake. You know? Yeah, he's so good, dude. I it's He's, he's good. He's just like picked up right where Cam left off right this second. And he just seems to have that little bit of extra pace. Now, I, with I that said, though, I, I think like for tracks that aren't that technical, blah, 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 blah. I mean, Loris Baz has a really good shot. He's a, he's a taller rider. I understand that. But that Ducati can boogie. And other than the balance of you know, the hard-breaking corners with, with having a stiff front end to be able to handle down into turn number five and so on mm -hmm. versus, you know, handling some of the bumps in the corners. It's not an overly complicated track to to, to set a bike up for. And so right. I think... Right. I, huh? Yeah, right. Yep. I agree you know what I mean? Like, or that's my perception of it. So it's going to be interesting because if Pegram's tested, you talk to him about it? Yes, he's tested. Yeah, I haven't talked to him about it, but he has tested. Um, I talked to him prior to it. We we talked quite a bit because we did the Island Classic together. Dude, and if so, he's spending, if Larry um, Pegram's spending his own money, because this Pegram race, no, he he's he's involved. He's involved with you know, the, there'll be some stuff coming out, but no, he's I involved know, I know, with I know. a couple of people up here, and um, so yeah, but but I don't think I don't think Larry's spending his own money to do this. I think that he's kind of mentoring and helping sense. a little bit. Yeah, but yeah. nonetheless, and, what I'm saying I mean, is, if he's yeah. spending money, he's, still he's, doing, he's competitive. He's still doing, he's still doing dirt track. I mean, I mean the guy's making the he loves doing what he's doing. He, he loves being on the bike and 
you know, I, I, it's going to be fun listening to these Ducatis come down the streets. I rode here Monday, Tuesday. So again, all my boys came out from California. How's the track? We rode Same as it bike. was last year or? Yeah. We rode with sport bike track time for two days. And to be fair, track is getting a little bit bumpy. It's getting a little bit rougher. It's mm. not like, you know, it's, it, the winters are hard up here, obviously. So the track surface itself is fine, but it's definitely getting a few more bumps here and there. Um, it looks like they made some improvements down in Canada corner. Like I looked at it and they definitely made, um, I don't know if runoff has been extended, but kind of the way they did the runoff looked a little bit different to me, um, just by my eye. Uh, so, but, but dude, you, you ride around this place and it's just, it's such a great track to be out riding around on. I, I saw one of the scariest and most beautiful things I've ever seen on a bike. Michael Barnes came by on a bagger. I was out there riding around with Cole. Mm-hmm. And I saw Michael Barnes out there and he came by on a bagger and you should have seen it through the carousel. I was just like, I don't need to see that again. It was so fun to watch though. It moves around a little bit. They move. Yeah. They move a little little bit. bit. Yeah. Let's just say a little bit. Yeah. A little bit. Speaking of which, you know, Eric Stahl from California, you know, if you didn't see who's anybody listening to this podcast, unfortunately his dad's driving the truck and so I don't know, brakes start to smoke and whatever truck lights on fire whole trailer burns <sighs> to the ground. But I have to say, Harley Davidson stepped up. We're going to do a feature on it for TV, but Harley Davidson stepped up and gave him some bikes, and the dude's going to be racing. So, you know, I have to, that, that's pretty good. And the entries are up for King of the Baggers as well, as you as you would hope in Harley Davidson's backyard, obviously. Um, There's going to be an announcement tomorrow that I know about. So, um, you know, I don't know when you're posting this, so I probably don't know, think if I should say anything, but... But there's going to be an announcement tomorrow that will be another top rider is going to be joining that class so um, this weekend. So we'll get that announcement tomorrow. But um, Happy you, to have him back, right down, that's for sure. Happy, to, happy yep. to see that guy back in the paddock, you know? Yeah, well, and, we, and when we look down, when you look down the list, Super Stock, our Stock Thousand is going to be great. Uh, super Sport, it, I think it's a big weekend this weekend for the Escalante-Kelly battle. We're going to see if Benjamin Smith um, can can get himself back up there. Stefano, I think, is going to be really tough here on that 636. You know, double podium guy at VIR. Um, so, you know, and, and it goes all the way down to our Twins Cup class. I mean, Jody Berry's won the last race. This is a local race for him. Um, I think you're going to be seeing a big drafting war there, as well as our Junior Cup. So our Junior Cup, we got a couple guys. we got a couple kids that are going to be here that haven't been here. Um, Owen Williams is going to be one of them um, coming from California. It just turned 14. It's going to be his first time here. He was lucky enough to get to see the racetrack on Monday. So that was good for him. Um, so I just think overall and the weather, dude, the weather can't be any better. Greg, I got a house. We are in a huge house, like literally four minutes from the track. There's a big group of us. So I'm looking forward to you getting here and seeing it, but you can hear the racetrack from our house. Can you really hear that close? Yeah. Yeah, it's really great. How about this? After yesterday, we get done riding. They start doing drags in pit lane. Drag racing. They're drag racing in pit lane cars. In pit lane. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it was a mess. Two of them crashed and got together, and it was bad. But Ooh, it's going to be nice yeah. and coasty up there like it is where I am right now. Oh, so, yeah. so 88 degrees on Friday, and the sun's going to be shining. 40% chance of thunder showers and 86 on Saturday. And then sunny, you know, looks like all sun, 87 degrees on Sunday. Like, 
you you know this place though it has its own weather pattern doesn't it oh my I god i mean elkhart lake even... is so crazy yeah it's so weird but what we're saying is we know like... a lot of race fans are kind of like eh, i don't know if i'm gonna go check the weather just go i mean it's oh ticket sales are through the roof it's gonna be great attendance the racing is gonna be amazing i think i mean there's so many the paddock the paddock itself is gonna be ridiculously packed i mean 36 in Superbike, 29 in Supersport, 22 now. As we mentioned at the beginning of the year, I think they started with 16. We're now up to 22 because of those people coming in. 46, as I mentioned, in Stock 1000. You know, quite a few of those are going to be in, in Superbike as well. 29 in Twins Cup. That'll that'll be another wow. exciting race. Yes, you know? I And agree. then you have 11 in Baggers. And, of course, don't forget, we do have uh, the Mini Cup. You know, the, the Moto America Mini Cup is racing as well, Jason. There's, you know, a 190cc class and a 160 class and a 110 class. So you can check out on those Ovales, you know, the, the future, the future of the sport, including, yeah, by I the way. I got to get over to that. I have to get over there. Yeah, there, I that, bet. I mean, including there's a couple racers in there. Uh, you know, Warhorse HSBK Racing, Ducati, New York. They threw... Araldo Ferracci, he's got a couple racers, young racers that are racing. No way. Oh yeah, wow. they're 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 fully sponsored. A North Car- Carolina yeah, a, guy. I got to get over that. Are hey, you ready? You that. ready for this? To see if this name rings a bell. So racing in the one ten CC class is that the only class he races in? In the one ten class, I think that's the only one he races in. Is a young man from Massachusetts named Nathan Bentoncourt. Oh wow. And he yeah. is related. He's related to the is famous really? Massachusetts so... Bentoncourts. Yeah. So that another I, I another up, era. I grew up knowing John, I, I, John Bentoncourt. I grew up like that's my dad's era. So I remember the name. And uh, yeah, that's great. So many different generations. So, I mean, I just think this is, it's the best place to come to a race. And I think it's going to be packed. I think ticket sales have been up again. Um, we saw from some numbers that ticket sales were pretty decent at VIR. We had a good VIR. And I think it's going to continue to grow. Motor America right now, definitely on the rise. And it's, you know, uh, Greg, is it is it their sixth year? 2015, first, I think, was yeah. their first. It's just so incredible. 15, 16, and, and, it, and it's great, 18, you know. 19. Seven years, Jay. Yeah. This is year seven. Yeah. It's insane. Yeah. It's pretty crazy. But, well, you know, you got to figure, Greg, too. The, you got to, yeah. you got, oh, sorry. I was just going to say, you have to figure, no, though. Go ahead, go ahead. 2015 was a couple week, you know, tape delayed. And then. We, we sat three years on a network that wasn't in a lot of households. So, you know, and I think last year helped us during COVID because we were one of the few series. We were the first one to come back, right? Like, Correct. So it's one of those situations where I think that there are some people that are rediscovering, you know, superbike racing and AMA superbike in the form of Moto America, and they're really enjoying it. And then we're having new fans come out, you know, people that bought bikes that are hearing about it because we have good people that are out there spreading the word. So you know, it's it's good racing. It's entertaining. And uh, Moto America, I think they do a really good job of keeping stuff going. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, they really there's do. always I, activities going on somewhere. Yeah, it's really good. It's, it's you know, I know we work for the series and this and that, but it has just been really fun to be on the inside and watching it continue to grow and get better. And I think that, you know, the, the pay site and all that stuff has really done, you know, the subscription site has been great. People have been able to go on there and watch and it allows your friends and families to interact a lot more because they're going to get to see, you know, a lot of stuff. So it's great. Also this weekend, Greg, we're kicking back off again. World Superbike is in Mizano. And, uh, you know, 
be remiss to say that I saw a number of things today being June 6th um, uh, and, and being being June 9th, rather, the sixth month, ninth day. Obviously, yeah, a lot of people memorializing Nikki Hayden, and I saw a lot of people from Mizano, a lot of World Superbike guys making posts. Um, you know, I saw Chaz Davies did a 69-minute bicycle ride with a bunch of guys from Ducati, and, then, of course, other people were doing 69-mile 69 uh, mile rides, 6.9-mile runs, this and that. So, you know, obviously, Nikki's in our thoughts always, and uh, today they memorialized that, especially at Mizano. Um, and, you know, we're going into the weekend. Um, I mean, Greg, Jonathan Ray, it's just it's it's pretty crazy. He's already got a 35-point lead over top rack and, and, uh, another three points or, um, you know, over Scott Redding as well. Um, did you see where Redding has come out and basically said he has to, he has to dominate Mazzano to get himself back into this? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I mean, it just worries me. It's a lot of races and it's like, I don't know, maybe, maybe Scott's the type of person that he needs to put that pressure on himself in order to, to go out and capture, those kinds of results. I don't know. You know, I mean, I, I would say conventional thinking would say, why are you going to pin yourself into a corner like that? Why are you going to make this so, you know, like final, like, Oh, if I don't do well, because what you're saying is if I don't do well at Mizano, my championship's over. That's, that's I mean, the flip side just, of, right. But chip yeah, away no, at it, man, chip away. It's so hard, but this is what Ray does to you. He just puts so much pressure on you. So going into this race, we got Ray, Ray, Scott Tiaglu, Redding, Lowe's, and Chaz Davis are our top five. Obviously, Garrett Gerloff is six, a uh, little bit on the outside looking in. He's going to be starting from pit lane, I believe, Greg, on race one. Is that what I did here? I think he's starting from, that I is believe, correct. I heard. So from his, from his uh, disaster, getting into the back of uh, Rinaldi there at uh, – the last round in Portugal. So it's going to be interesting to going to be a great weekend. Um, we got a lot of road racing on that side of things that you and I are going to get to cover in next week podcast. Don't ask me because I don't know when we're going to be able to do it. I don't, I don't know how it's going to work with your schedule or mine. Really? I know some of the cool thing. I know some of the coolest things that you're doing next week. So it might be harder for you next week than me. I mean, I'll make, I'll make time for the podcast that that stuff will be there. I mean, I'm for sure. Not, you know, Monday, but, I'll figure it out. Yeah. We'll be we'll be yeah, able we'll to do it as long as you're I'll be home flying. or you're somewhere. I'll be flying that day. And grab a mic. Yeah, we're gonna figure on Monday. It out. I mean, then we can figure it out yeah, tonight. We we'll figure it out always. Greg, last week also <laughs> pro motocross yeah. was at Thunder Valley last week, and yeah. um, it was yeah. I mean, obviously, it, it, right now it, Ken Roxon is just he's a little bit of the man. He just is on it, and yeah, but he, he said he wasn't like that's the thing, I man. Know. He was kind of like yeah. It's good though. I mean, I you know, but Kenny, uh, yeah. when I was there in Colorado, I'm trying yeah. to think, was it Kenny that got hurt or was it Eli who got hurt that year? <clears throat> I thought it was Kenny, I can't but remember. anyway, was it? Yeah, yeah, they were at Thunder Valley. Colorado is a really cool place. That was the site of the of the famous uh, Zach Osborne story when he's like, "Holy <laughs> shit, Greg White from Two Wheel Tuesday," and I called him somebody else's name on the podium. Nice work. Yeah. Yeah, I think that was his first podium actually back in the U.S. after, you know, going to race Europe or something like that when he was on a 250. But anyway. Um, I know you pretty well. That probably just ruined you for that whole day. Yeah, it caught me by surprise a little bit. <laughs> I the fact you. that I called him and I called him somebody else's name and he said, my name is Zach Osborne. And I was like, oh, my God. 
I just do that. Yeah. Luckily, there was only like the 450. I, I think that was the, the second 250 main of the day. So I only had yeah. one more race to suffer through that day. Yeah. Well, and then the post-race press conference, which really stunk. But anyway, yeah, I bet. Uh, Moto Moto's good. Kenny Roxon doing a good job. Yeah. Uh, your boy, your boy actually got a result too, didn't he? Yeah, seeing Cirillo. I think he ended up third overall. Mm-hmm. I believe he ended up third overall. I got the results pulled up, but I'm kind of looking through them here, and I'm just kind of like, you know, um, I've got the official results. So, Roxon, Fernandez, uh, seeing Cirillo, Barsha, Plessinger. Um, you know, it right now, Roxon, though, he's won three out of four, three out of the last four. It's so weird, too, you know, like when you see Cooper Webb struggling outdoors a little bit, it just goes to show like how much different the setups are from outdoors to. To massive supercross? it's massive and that's one of the things though that people don't talk about often jay is like if you're in a championship battle in supercross oftentimes your outdoor program is going to slip by a couple weeks because you're so focused on winning that championship where there's certain riders that may be out that are getting healthy or that are kind of out they're still racing it but they're already started their outdoor setups and it, you know what good news jason wygant's going to be at Moto America this weekend, working Moto America Live Plus. So you and I will get a chance to catch up with Jason in more detail about what's going on in Promoto as well. I'm cornering him this week. We got to get him on the podcast too. In the mm-hmm. in the 250s, Justin Cooper ends up getting the overall over Jet Lawrence, even though Jet Lawrence just walked away in the second moto. Pretty impressive. Hunter Lawrence ends up third. Shimoda, Nichols, Marchbanks, Swole Martin, uh, Dylan Schwartz, somebody I've not really heard of much on a Suzuki, so it kind of caught my attention. RJ Hampshire ends up 10th. I think the biggest thing for me watching that stuff is how far back Austin Forkner is. He doesn't even look close. So I don't know if he's got a little, you know, nagging injury or something bugging him. But, um, but yeah, anyways, it's uh Yeah, hopefully that's all motor- it is for Forkner. He's too young to be on a downward trajectory. Oh, outdoor motocross is just so gnarly to me. It's And, I mean, like, you've got to go there and see it live and, you know, kind of be right there during it. And, um, yeah, it just seems gnarly. Dude, you just haven't seen anything like it. I mean – so, so, you know, for, for the amount of races that I went to, which wasn't everyone that, that seat, those two seasons, I went to, you know, select probably a little over half of them. Okay. So many of them stand out because of certain situations, you know, like Washougal, it rained the entire day and they still had like 30,000 people show up in the rain the whole day, you know, it was like crazy or in Maryland, you know, they, the lightning came out the thunderstorms passed by they shut the thing down and these fans got they were so drunk that they started a mudslide on the side of one of the hills <laughs> and they were just ripping down there like it's a different crowd man but it's it's a lot of fun there's a lot of a lot of pressure but it's so different from supercross and normally we see someone who emerges out of that series that's better outdoors you know because it's not just stop 90 degree left hand turn jump 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 90 degree left right hand turn jump 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 you know, it's, it's, it's different and yeah. it's all natural terrain so, and, it's, and it's up and down. And it's, and it's so, and it's so fast. Dude, so fast. And I'll tell you what, we go to some of the tracks, like when they're in Minnesota, dude, there is a, like a, a hill that they have to get up. That is so gnarly, like so <laughs> gnarly. And then they got to come back down that hill. It's just super steep. I've seen it. It's, it's when you're there ride, in right? person and you're just looking up at that thing and you're like, nah, they don't race up there. Do they? And somebody crazy, was like, huh? yeah. My buddy Lurch is like, yeah, they got to get up to the top of the hill. And then they actually race down to the bottom. I was like, no. It's so great. No, yeah. no, no, no. Tapping out. Yeah, Tapping no. out. 
Not happening. Wow. wow. Something Anyways. about going downhill like that, that I just, it's, oh my God. Yeah. Same thing when I was wow. on skis, like, you know what I mean? Unless yeah. I knew how to stop on skis, I was like, <laughs> I'd look down over the mountain, like on a black diamond and I'd be like, no, I literally was in, in Arizona, Jason, one time on a set of skis and my roommate in college, he was like some, he was from Tahoe and was some super duper skier. And he super fly snooked me into going down a black diamond. Oh. And it was just this, it just kind of went and then it just dropped off. I mean, dropped off. And all these people are like, ah, yeah. you know what I mean? And yeah. skiing down there. And I made the mistake of stopping at the edge and looking down. And I was like, and you know me, dude, I mean, fear is not my thing, right? And I'm looking down and I was like, nah. And he goes, dude, you can traverse it left, right, left, right. I go, nah. Literally took my skis off and threw them down the mountain and then slid down on my ass. Did you really? Yeah, but the problem was, dude, is that it was so steep. One of my skis just went like bye-bye. I think the ski ended up on the the bunny hill. Like it was going so fast. You were that guy. Took out a bunch of kids. No, nah, luckily it was in the middle of the week. I was in college in Northern Arizona University. This is up at, uh, I think it's Snowshoe or something like that in, in uh, Flagstaff. And uh, they actually, at Northern Arizona University, they actually have like skiing as a class. Like you get three credit hours oh. for it. So like two school buses worth of like uh, 90% college girls came off the bus. <laughs> so I spent the rest of the day on the Bunny Hill snow plowing. <laughs> I bet you did. Yeah, I bet you did. Just perfecting oh, the snowplow. <laughs> well, why don't you tell us what's up for the rest of the week? All right, so we can get to sleep. Yeah, well, yeah, you get to you get to sleep. I get to edit the podcast. All right, I know. I'm sorry. No, no worries, man. All right, so look ahead to the weekend. Of course, we're going to be talking about Moto America. What a great weekend we're going to have! World Superbike at Mizano. Uh, Jason, FIM World Endurance is happening. The 24 hours oh, of Lamar. the France is going on. Um, any predictions, man, you know, I, I, I know they're going to get riding tomorrow, so I'll be able to look at it a lot closer. Um, Gintoli, I think man, man, on the Suzuki, that's what I'm going to go for. Yeah. It's a good team. I mean, my buddy, Greg black rides for them too. And, you know, I think yards with Kenapa is going to be, mm. is going to be really difficult. I haven't looked at the weather, although I'm is sure he it'll healthy rain enough to point. ride a 24 hour. Yeah. He's been riding a bunch. So yeah, he's has, be fine. okay. I thought he was yeah, hurt. All right. Yeah. Yeah, so that ought to be fun. We'll definitely be talking a little bit about the 24-hour because Jason and I, I mean, Jason's a double world champion, and myself, I'm a single-time U.S. champion in endurance. You're no slouch yourself. You know what I mean? So, (laughs) (laughs) uh, But we're both of the mindset that, man, if you can endurance race, do it. There's nothing better than seat time and seat time in a race situation for everything. uh, AMA Pro Hill Climb is going after it again in Freemansburg, Pennsylvania. Definitely go check it out. Baja 500 has happened and Works is in Idaho. And AMA National Enduro is in Greensboro, Georgia. And there's a ton of stuff at the world level. So there you go, people. Go out and watch some racing. Go participate in some racing. And oh, by the way, this podcast was brought to you by Arai. That's all I'm going to say about that. All right, Jason. Last <laughs> <laughs> Poor Rye. They're like, if you we, we and, and again, me and Greg are sorry. We're both this poor guy's been on the road for two days. And uh, I rode for the last two days at Road America and just uh, I was up early this morning. Greg, I gotta tell you, I got to go play Aaron Hills today. Hmm. All right. Now for anybody who doesn't know who's Aaron, you know, you got the, his mom <laughs> yeah. left. Why does it have to be a him? Anyways, um oh good point. Golf course was golf course was amazing. It was 2017 they played the US Open there, and so 
Kyle Wyman and I went and played it today. It was, and, and the best part about it was I walked it, you know, a year ago, I would have never been able to walk and I never would have been able to play a golf course like this because of my ankle. And I actually walked 18 holes today. It was amazing. And how fast so I'm a little bit, I'm exhausted. <laughs> yeah. And by the way, we didn't really get to mention Kyle Wyman, but he got two days of private testing at pit race, did, did a ton of laps, yeah. got a ton of testing in, and he went quite a bit faster average lap pace than he did last year. You yeah. could see Wyman battling for a podium. You know what He's I mean? He's on the podium here last year. He's on the podium here last year, so mm -hmm. we'll see. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. So. All right, before say goodnight, we go, say Jason, goodnight, Greg. Say goodnight, um, Greg. before I go, I want you to tell me, what do you, what, oh. I want you to predict Larry Pegram's finishes for this weekend. Um, is he, is he doing stock thousand? I don't know. I mean, thing? he's not a Pentagoli. There's no way he's doing stock thousand. Is he? I mean, he, um, nobody's racing that bike because. I should know this. Hold on. I should know this. I should know this. The but, worm. The worm. Dude, you, yeah. Hey, listen, if you're, you're a Larry Pegram fan, come on out. Uh, oh my to... God, he is. He's racing stock thousand on a Ducati Pentagali. Right. Uh, he's not the only one, but he's, oh, dude, he's got to run number 73 because Shakespeare's running 72. Oh, so the that's... worm off of well, the that's... 73 tragedy. That's, that's, that's too bad. Um, he'll be, he'll no. be in the top 10. He'll be in the top 10 stock thousand. It may be, maybe better. It just depends, you know, how, what they've done to that bike and if they've had much time on it. But yeah, he'll be right there. Top ten, All right? Yeah, top ten. What do you top in in stock thousand? What do you got him? Top seven. Well, yeah, okay. So that would be top ten. So yeah, I'm with you. <laughs> well, I just yeah, I like Larry more than you do. All right, enough with this podcast. <laughs> we gotta get going. Have a great night's sleep. See ya.